0: Gracious God, and loving Father, we thank Thee once again for the beloved Son, the death on that cross. We can truly rejoice that Thou are seated at the right hand of His Majesty on high. Our dear Lord, take this opportunity to thank Thee that we have been able to come together in this way to praise Thee, to study Thy Word, to rejoice in our salvation. We thank our dear God and loving Father that we can share the word in this way. Think of the Saints being so scattered during this time. Think of those very small isolated assemblies. We think of those in Cairns, Brisbane, Perth, Saints from Sydney, across the Tasman in New Zealand and elsewhere that we can be together like this, despite this health crisis we can still be together to have this fellowship to share thy mighty word. As we open the scriptures there dear Lord we pray that Thou will give us strength wisdom and a simple understanding to that glorified one. So as we open these words thank thee
1: our Lord the save his name. Amen. So we're reading in the Gospel of John and chapter 14 and verse 1. <clears throat> Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know, we know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. If he had known me, he should have known my Father. Also, and from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, have I been such a long time with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then? Showest the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doth the works. Believe me. That I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. Verily, verily I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he also, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it.
0: Yesterday, we wound up two things that really stood out. Seeing Jesus, the son of man, going to see him being glorified. But we see him in that upper room. See him in that room the last time. It's the final time he would be his dear ones. It would start with the 12 and end with 11. It would start with the Passover, the past, and end with a direction and an instruction, an introduction, Lord's Supper, the future, now and the future. We see with they 12 of the past with Judas and at the right time, he was told his beloved ones he was going to be betrayed. And we see how Judas go into the night. And it's so fitting. He didn't go into the daylight or out inside. He went into the night. He went into darkness. We discussed yesterday about Judas and his personality. His love of money. But then we have something more wonderful as the future. And finally, we see even Peter. We often discuss Peter in his very simple questions. But he would deny And I think that would come as a shock. And after being told that, you hear very little of Peter I think that's probably the last one here I've been talking. and so now we're going into new instruction we're going into the future within 24 hours as discussed yesterday the Lord will be crucified we start here in verse 1 God the Son Father then after verse 4 then after verse 5 the Holy Ghost. So this verse 14 speaks of Son and it speaks of the Father and at the end of the chapter the Holy Ghost. So that's just a little introduction of where we're at the moment.
2: I think we mentioned yesterday that um, where chapter 14 commences, is actually a continuation from chapter 13 where the Lord Jesus gives an answer to the question that Peter asked in chapter 13, verse 36. But he doesn't just give an answer. He takes the disciples to an understanding of something much greater than what Peter had asked. And then through the course of this chapter, there are questions from other disciples in verse 5 a question from Thomas and the Lord again goes much further than giving an answer to Thomas's question then an answer to a question from Philip in verse 9 and we haven't read that there's another Judas, not Judas Iscariot and in verse 22 he asks a question as well, so There are many times in the life of the Lord Jesus, but especially here when he's unfolding the most wonderful truths, that he does so in answer to questions. And it's good for us to have questioning hearts and questioning minds. When I say questioning, um, a willingness to ask questions, not doubting the Lord, but um, looking to him for solutions and for answers. And the wonderful truth he unfolds here is the truth about the Father's house and his coming again. From verse uh, 4 onwards, we see here the Lord
3: expecting the disciples to understand what he said to them. But unfortunately, they didn't. He expected them to understand where he's going and to know the way. But the, the way that Thomas and, and Philip and uh, Judas uh, asked this seems to be they they didn't understand and we do not blame them actually Uh, And their questions are a bit logic because their mind and their thoughts were in the circle of the Jews and their understanding was about the earthly things, the earthly kingdom to come and when I said to them in my father's house I think they Thought about what he said about the temple. My house is a house of prayer, and so on. So they looking for a place. He go, he will go, and they don't know the way to this place. That's why uh, uh, Thomas asked him, "We don't know where you go." Thomas is looking for a place, but the Lord is not talking about a place. The Lord is talking about a person. He is going to his father, and this is we, we find this in chapter thirteen. He departing from this world to the father. So Thomas. He's thinking about a place, but the Lord was talking about a person to the Father. And that's why he said to him, I am the way, and I am the uh, truth, and life. The way to the Father is me, and the truth of the Father is, uh, is in me, and I am the life. And these actually three words can go together with the other three words to Come to the Father, to, uh, uh, to know the Father, and to see the Father. To come to the Father, I am the way. If you want to come to the Father, I am the way. No one, no one can come to the Father except by me. And to know the Father, I am the truth. The Father, the truth, truth set, set up forth for me. It was set forth in me. So the truth of the Father in me, if you want to know the Father. And if you want to see the Father, it's in me, I I am the life. You have the life of Christ to be able to see the Father. So these three words go together with the other three words. To come to the Father, to know the Father, and to see the Father is the Lord Jesus. is the way, the truth,
4: and life. In verse uh, 3, it says and if I go and shall prepare you a place I'm coming again and shall receive you to myself that where I am you also may be. Are we to understand that this is a reference to the
2: rapture of the saints to be with the Lord? Certainly yeah would you like to say more about it, David? Well, I was wondering, does it go?
4: Perhaps a, a better question is it Does it go beyond the return of the Lord? Is this the This is the destination of saints that are that have gone to be with Christ, which is far better, or, or is, am I wrong in that?
2: well he, he really speaks here about his coming, his personal coming, his coming again, his coming in answer to his going away, and those departed believers who are with Christ now um their bodies are in the grave, spirit and soul is with christ we we might say they're they're waiting in the first class waiting room and we're waiting here, down in the slums, waiting for the Lord's coming, but they're waiting just as we are. And when he comes, we'll be physically, personally, spirit, soul, and body together with him where he is. We're
0: told three things in those first three verses. It's the object of our faith, that let your heart be troubled, object of our faith and in verse 2 it's the comforting of our hearts why is it a comforting of our hearts because it speaks of a new home many mansions the room actually should be many abodes as I think the brother uh, mentioned yesterday about in the temples about all the rooms you look at the plan of Solomon's temple just room upon room upon room so it was like many mansions or many abodes and in verse 3 Another comforter is coming to receive someone. So we've got the faith, the comforting of the heart, that was a place prepared, and in verse 3 then is he's coming again. Three things, wonderful.
2: So that's faith and love and hope, three primary elements of Christianity. Is that right, Robin? That's correct, Greg may I just um, add one
5: point I found it very striking when I read here that we, that there is enough place for everyone in heaven but when the Lord Jesus came on this earth there was no place in him so that's a, that's a great contrast and I think it makes us even more precious the love of our Lord Jesus to us that even we despised him, rejected him, he receives us. And nobody, nobody cannot come who really wants to, who received him as Savior. And everyone will receive a place in heaven. And what a great thought. He himself comes again. He does not send an angel. He does not send a messenger or whatever. He himself comes. This is so comforting. It it seems like It's just my personal note right so it's it seems like it's so precious for him it's so important for him that he himself comes I mean we we just were reminded this morning on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and he sent an angel to tell Mary that he was uh, at the tomb there was an angel who said why do you seek the living among the dead he's risen but but here it's it's of course he appeared afterwards to to marry the disciples but here it's so great he himself comes we only have we have a few points in the bible where we find he himself doing something and it's so important so precious for us so what a love and what a what a special moment when we see him the first time face to face when we see him to the eyes who loved us and we see his marks in his hands and we are reminded on the one who died there at the for Calvary, and he will take us into that blessed home where we can enjoy the full fellowship and joy of this person what a moment
0: it's wonderful that um it's pointed out that, uh, the lord himself is coming because one of the things we can always rejoice in but when Law Lord was on this earth. and Jesus was on this earth, he took great delight in doing the Father's work. Many times we're given a job and we just say, it's a job I have to do. Oh, this is a job that must be completed. I must mow the grass. I must weed the garden. Or what we do at our work, we're told we've got to do it. And we do it, well, grudgingly, but we just do it because it has to be done. Jesus took great delight doing the Father's will. I have glorified the on the earth. I have finished the work that God gave us me to do. He was glorified. He took great happiness. And he, that's when he knew at this time the hour was come. He had to go to that next phase. So it's only fitting and wonderful that he himself, when he knew that hour was come and he went out, went into the garden,
6: he himself also come back. So this promise uh, of the coming again is for all believers. Um, Obviously, as Greg's outline, it refers to the coming and
2: first this line is for. But this is for all believers, he's coming for. That would certainly be the case, although it's not not the um, stated intention of the Lord Jesus here to unfold all of the truths related to his coming. Um, he's really comforting the hearts of those disciples who were troubled with the fact that he was going away. I, I wonder if um, um, Tadros, having given us a, a bit of an in, introduction about um, verses 4 and 5 and 6, I wonder if we could move into those verses because some, the, the remarks that Tadros made, I think, are very helpful the, the primary focus of the Lord Jesus here in this section is to focus our attention on the Father, the Father's house, and then as Ross mentioned in, in these next verses, the, the Father's presence, and then in the question that Philip asks, the Father's person. You know, some, sometimes when having remembered the Lord Jesus in the breaking of bread we come to the sense that we ought to join our voices with His in praising His Father. Sometimes we're a little bit lost for words. Sometimes we're a little bit like Philip, um, wondering, well, we need to know a bit more about the Father if we're going to praise and worship Him. But the Lord here in this section has occupied us with the Father, with His house, with His presence and with His person. I think if we can meditate on, on these verses we might um get a little bit expanded in our thinking as to um the way in which we might be able to worship the Father. I have some question about the
7: group. Uh, I see here in um, uh John um it say here in uh, uh best and if I go um, and uh, prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you unto myself, uh, that uh, that I am there, you may be also. So that the Lord will come again to receive the beloved people. Uh, but I'm still here in um, in some uh, chapter th- uh, 37 verse 29 that um, the, the people will live here in the heads forever. So which people that the Lord talking about, that he will come back again and he will receive them and he will take them to there. That the Lord will take us to heaven or we will stay here with the Lord on the head forever. Thank you.
2: I wish you understand me. Yeah, I I understood. So you you made a reference to Psalm 37, yeah, verse 29. Yeah. Yeah. One thing we know, Moen, is that we can never set one scripture against another to make a Uh, contradiction. We we know that. Okay. Okay. And um, in the Psalm, as in all of the books of the law in the Old Testament, There was an offer to man that if he obeyed the commandments of God, he would live. That means he would continue to live upon the earth. And we know that no man did that and no man was able to do that. By keeping commandments, he could not enable himself to live forever on the earth. What we Christians have is much greater than that. We don't have a law that says, if you obey the law, you'll continue to live on earth. We have the wonderful grace of God, where because the Lord Jesus has saved us, his blood having been shed, He's died for us, he's risen again, he's gone back into heaven, and now he says, your place is much greater than the earth. Your place is in the Father's house forever. Wonderful thing. Uh, seriously.
7: Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, I believe that. Uh, but I know that, that the Lord Jesus said he, He's not come here to take some what what happened in the past, but He came to complete everything. Yeah, thank you. The Lord wasn't um, asking of the
8: disciples here something that um, that they didn't already know. He said, "And you know where I go, and you know the way." verse 4, this this was something he had literally just told them. Um, You know where I go. My father's house. He's just said that. And you know the way. Um, I shall come again and receive you unto myself. He had just explicitly told them where he was going and the way to go there. He was going to the father's house to the Father, and the way was he was going to come back and receive them to himself. And then Thomas asks the question. and it, I guess it just highlights sometimes the dullness of our own hearts to, to hear what the Lord is saying. Um, and then we need to, to take care in, in listening to what he does say. He never... Um, he never expects more of us than, than we um, are able to um, to understand and and able to do. Um, but here it would seem that um, the disciples' hearts were a little bit dull as to what he said. They didn't really take in what he said, and how often that happens with us also.
9: And verse uh, seven. And uh, verse seven, the Lord answered a question before Philip even asked it. In verse 7, the Lord said, He knew me, knew my father also. And the Lord said, and from now We know him and seen him. This is a question actually the question. The answer of the question Philip asked in verse 8. So, the Lord knew what Philip was thinking. He knew the thought from afar and answered the question before Philip asked him the question.
2: Shows the beautiful character of the Lord Jesus. You know, um, how many times in a, a Bible study brothers are participating in the Bible study. They're making comments about scriptures. Um, and my brother will say something, explaining a scripture. And then a minute or two afterwards, someone asks a question uh, as if they didn't even hear that explanation. And it's just as Mike said um, in, in verse four, the Lord had just told them the way and where he was going. And immediately after telling them, then Thomas asks. Then in verse seven, the Lord tells them about the father. And immediately after that, Philip asks. He didn't get frustrated. He didn't get cranky. He didn't say, look, I've already told you that. Why didn't you listen the first time? In infinite patience, he deals with them because he wants them to understand the truth. And, I want to encourage myself and others with this. Don't be distressed if you've explained something. And immediately afterwards, someone asks about that very thing. It's interesting, Greg,
0: too, because what Philip has asked is probably one of the most commonly asked things in today. And In verse 8, it Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father... And it suffices us. Now, yeah, you show us the Father, and that's that's that. I'm happy with that. How common do we hear that in today's world? I just want to see his face, I just want to be able to see the person, and, and that's good enough. And um but the Lord. Yeah, he was placid and he was calm, but you could tell he was a little little frustrated with the next verse. Have I been such a long time with you, and yet you has known not me, Philip? So he's pointing out correctly what you said too, Greg, but please listen. Please listen what I'm trying to tell you. But the sad thing is what Philip has has said is a great lesson too for the future because it's the most commonly requested thing we know in, in the world today when people... They doubt that faith. They don't have that faith. They have seen me, have seen the Father. That's what Jesus said. have
3: seen me, seen the Father. The world doesn't quite understand that, do they? The way the Lord answered Philip and uh, Thomas and Philip, this shows us the unity, his unity with the Father. This eternal unity with the Father. From eternity past, he's the one in the bosom of the Father. The bosom, uh, the bosom relationship with the father. He's the one who came to declare the father to us. This, this unity from eternity past, and he keep keep going as well. He, so, see, he mentioned to Thomas and to Philip, who sees me, sees the father. Who knows me, knows the father. I am in the father and the father in me. So he kept saying that. This is the, his unity with the father from eternity past. And he he is the one in the bosom of the Father, and he never sees this position. So the one he sees, Christ sees the Father. The one he knows, Christ knows the Father. And this is the case. And he is in the Father, and the Father in him. But I want to mention something. Uh, The one uh, mentioned in Colossians chapter 1 and 2, in him all the fallenness dwells, uh, or the uh, uh, Godhead dwells in him is different because this one is the relationship between Him and the Father, and the unity between Him and the Father. But the other one is the God Godhead dwells in, the, in Christ, dwells in Jesus. This is an association with the reconciliation. But here is different things. This Him, in, He is in the Father, and the Father in Him, So He came to declare the Father to us, to show us the Father's love, and to show us the unity between Him and the Father, and the relationship with the deep affection and deep love Between him and the Father, and to show us this love and
6: affection to us.
9: I just want to make um, I'm not flaming back, but uh, we just passed quickly on this last bit of verse 6 No one comes to the Father unless by me. It is very important that there is no other way coming to the Father unless. Through Christ's accomplished work and through the person of Christ. Even in the early Christians, they were trying to add something besides the Lord and his finished work, and it's being completely rejected. And we see this in Galatia, we see this in, during the early Christian, and now there is a lot of Christian groups who are trying to add something beside the work accomplished by Christ. But the only way to the Father is through Him, the Lord Jesus. Amen.
3: And also the unity and the uh, companion between the, uh, the, between the Son and the Father. This is the, uh, give us the how to have a fellowship with the Father and the Son. And to worship the Father and the Son. I think that Greg mentioned uh, how can we think about worshiping the Father. And because of the unity between the Father and the Son, and the communion between the Father and the Son, and they are one, and the Lord Jesus he said, Me, I, and my Father are one. So they are one, it's one unity. That's why when we, we have a fellowship with the Father and Son, and we worship the Father and the Son, I'm happy to. Yeah. So here other comments. You think
6: there's the, the knowledge of coming to know the truth of the Father and the revelations required the Spirit of God is required here, which is brought later in the chapter. I mean, these things are taught by the Spirit of God. You've heard of the work of the Father. You've heard of the work of the Lord Jesus, the parents, but the work of the Lord Jesus is not complete because it seems the Spirit of God is out and that's when it's completely glorified. And, and and for ones like those in ourselves we might say, the Spirit of God must guide us in all truth to understand the reality of this in our own lives. So they might be taken concerned, they might be inflation, but for many really work in our lives,
2: I'm sure that's true. You know, um the the Lord Jesus did everything possible while he was living on earth to make known the Father. Um, John chapter 1 tells us that the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. He made a declaration. He said here to Philip, as long as I've been with you, when you've seen me, you've been seeing the Father. If you want to know the Father's character, just look at me. He made that declaration. He made that revelation. But there was no capacity in the hearts or the minds of those who heard to take in that revelation. Firstly, the Lord Jesus had to die. Then he had to rise again. Then he had to ascend into heaven and then send the Holy Spirit. And only then really could that there be any capacity to receive and understand that revelation now is a challenge for us because we're assured from scripture that we do have that capacity having that capacity how much use are we making of what the Lord Jesus has revealed of the father when we come to worship the father this is a challenge for us I think it's helpful well, to
10: the- says just to look at a couple of words in this section am i on screen here then i don't want to go back to verse one other than just to say you believe on god believe also on me then in response to philip verse 10 believest thou not that i am in the father And that the Father is in me? Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Verse 12, he that believes on me, the works which I do, shall he do also. And they still don't understand this, and we didn't read it, but if we go a little bit further on, verse 20, says, in that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And that day is the day which he sends the Spirit, the Comforter. And it's only then can the exercise of faith that Brother Greg's just been talking about be actually implemented. but having the exercise of faith, you shall know that I am in my father. that's wonderful. and then you and me, that's very, very precious. and then I and you, what a what relationship is held in this and it's through faith believing. And we can only believe because the Spirit of God has been sent to us. The world cannot receive it, but we do fully and completely because of the work that He has done.
3: I think they couldn't understand what the Lord Jesus spoke about the Father and all these things, revelation about the Father, because this is a new subject to them. The Old Testament never heard about God as a Father. But the amazing thing is they couldn't understand when he said to them, he has to suffer because this is in the Old Testament prophecies. The Christ has to suffer as well and all these things that, um, I don't know why they didn't, even one of them didn't understand that he has to go to the cross and has to suffer and then, uh, the kingdom later. I don't know why. And this was obvious in the Old Testament, but for the father things and the Father's revelation to the father, the revelation about the Father and all the things is a, it's a bit new subject to them. They, <clears throat> very hard to understand it as the Jewish people actually.
9: I think as Brother Donald said also that it was hard without the, uh, the Holy Spirit to understand fully the Old Testament still for them. They are Still living on the circle of their minds, that "This is, this is the the Messiah, and he should be uh, set up his kingdom." And um, and even the Lord Himself, after His Resurrection, He this started explaining to them the Old Testament and Moses and what has been written about Him with His uh, two disciples of Amos, that He should be suffered before glory. And uh, I think it's a complete understanding is by the Holy Spirit. John's Gospel
4: is often thought of as the gospel of the Son of God. But another subject that the gospel was that is peculiar to this gospel is the abiding place of divine persons. The first question that the disciples asked the Lord is, Where abidest thou? Here in this chapter, we have the father's house, there being many abodes. We see here that the uh, it is the father who abides in me, the Lord says. And uh, later, he says that uh, if anyone, uh, my father, uh, if anyone loved me in verse 23, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. Always get the thought of, of a settled place, don't you? The
2: place of abiding. So David, looking at verse 10, um, would would you distinguish what the Lord says in the, the early part of the verse, I am in my Father, and then my Father is in me. Would you distinguish that from the thought of the Father who abides in me? Are they different thoughts? I don't know that I thought that far ahead, Greg. Sorry. Just as you were speaking about abiding, I, I wondered that. Is that thought of a, a settled place? Um, seems to be um, something that relates to a practical experience, that having the Father, um, especially as reading in chapter 14, verse 23, um, there's, there's a condition applied. If anyone love me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and will come to him and make our abode with him. There's something that we experience in our souls, which is conditional upon our behavior. But um, looking at verse 10, what the Lord says in the first part of the verse doesn't seem to be associated with any conditions at all. I am in the Father. That is the position where I belong. There's a position and a relationship which is permanent. And then secondly, the Father is in me. I understand that whenever it's put that way in Scripture, the Father is in me, or um, when the Lord says later on in verse, um, I can't see it now, in that day you shall know that I am in my Father and ye in me and I in you. Ye in me, that's our position. I in you, that's the Lord Jesus coming into display in our lives. So in verse 10, I'm in the Father, that's his position. That's the relationship in which he stands permanently. The Father is in me. That is that the Father is displaying himself in all that the Lord Jesus did and said. And then based on what you've just suggested, David, I, I have the feeling that where he says the Father abides in me, there's the consciousness in the heart of the Lord Jesus of that dwelling place of the Father being with him. So one is position, the other is display, and then lastly, it's consciousness of intimate relationship. That's helpful. Thank you just talking we're referring to the communion
6: and the obedience of the, uh, of the disciples. And here in relation to our walk should be one, in communion and obedience, We're two on the way to Emmaus came into all things through the walk, communion and obedience, and in fellowship with the Lord Jesus, before the Spirit of God, um, it gives us an idea of the way in which the um the obedience in the believer's life, that we can understand the truth of Christ in relation to obedience in the Bible and abiding with him. We'll get that later in chapter 10.
10: I'm wondering if we might get some help on this um, analysis of 10 and then 10 and 11 and 12. If we actually read what the Lord said in his prayer to the Father in chapter 17. In chapter 17, and we could have three conferences on chapter 17, but in verse 21, he starts, That they may be all one, as thou, Father, are in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us. And then what does it say? It says, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So if we take that thought that there is testimony outward of the indwelling of the Father in the Son, and the Son and the Father, then we get through what he says. Let's see, I'm on the wrong page. He gets here through in what he says in fourteen verse ten. He leads it into verse eleven. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. But if not, believe me for the works' sake themselves. It's it's a testimony. It's an evidence that what he had in chapter one, he has declared him is the fullness of his relationship with the Father being revealed through um, what he's done and how he's done it. And we are being encouraged to look beyond just the words, but to realize that into that relationship, not only is the Father and the Son and the Son and us, but we are brought into it in a most marvelous way a way which we could never, ever have, um, have even thought of if it wasn't for the love and the grace of the Lord in doing it.
2: I think that's a nice place to, um, to finish for the moment. Perhaps if a, a brother would, would close in prayer. Gracious,
9: loving Father, we thank Thee, we praise Thee, for that love and grace shown to us through our Lord Jesus. What wonderful things and blessing we have to have a fellowship with thee our Father and with our Lord Jesus. And how wonderful the blessing we have on him. We thank thee for him and for what he accomplished on that cross of Calvary. We give thanks for our time could have together in looking at thy word and ask your blessing in each one of us as we go now to our respective activities in his name we pray
6: amen amen